The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to another episode of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the Christmassy Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Christmas is in the air, and I do two things in December every year. One, what? I fight with my radiator, and I don't turn it on in my room, so I look like FDR in most days. In <laughs> um, the second, what? what? I have a blanket over my uh, <laughs> over my life. <laughs> okay. Because it's so loud and then okay, it gets yeah. too hot. And yep, then yep, I yep. have to, tur- you know, then I got to also my cap broke. I've been here for 10 years. Oh, my, my God. So I have pliers that I have just to turn on and off the radiator. Oh, and it's um, not a murder room. OK, he uses <laughs> pliers to turn a radiator on and off. Well, how else am I supposed to grip the thing? Uh, That's true. You know what? My, I'm, I'm a I'm a reasonable man. Um, The second thing is that I don't drink coffee in December. And I started today and I took my ibuprofen to stave off the withdrawal symptoms. Yes. So I'm doing this without coffee, if you can believe it. Usually November is the month of withholding. You go no Java December. No, wow. no. Uh, uh, wow. I didn't say, I didn't oh, say anything. I, I, all I said was that December, you with you don't drink oh, coffee. That's God. all I said. That's yeah, all I said. Very you know G-rated. It, very G-rated. I call this Shrek humor because the adults get it. Um, all right. Movie. Any, uh, but yeah, so no <laughs> coffee. I do this so that in January, one cup means so much more. So I don't get, uh, you know, it doesn't soften the blow of caffeine to mm. me, right? I want, I want to actually have the massive impact of it. Also, I want to prove that I can beat addiction. So sure. Taking, no, no December coffee for me. No coffee, no coffee in December for you. So what are we doing yeah. today? We are recording this on the very first of December, although you might yeah, hear it a little bit later. I say that because you could, there could be other, uh, you know, breaking free our agent OTC, news. Our OTC podcasts are all over the place, but you yeah, because we, yeah. We have the, the we mock want. reviews that Nick does. Yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit out there and use a real one uh, for listening. Now, a few things to get to before we break down what we're working on today. One, so awesome to go to Twitter and see all of you guys adding us for your, your Spotify wrapped oh, yeah. to see how frequently you've been listening to us. That was very kind and very much made both of our days Two, so today we're going to be talking about the steamer projections, which came out uh, a few weeks ago, and we're going to be breaking down guys that we feel are a little bit too high, a little bit too low and people that are just right. We're going to we're going to Goldilocks it um, before we get into that, though, there was some small pitching free agency news that we should get to because it happened sure. in the past week. So yeah. the two pieces that we can get to are Mike Clevenger signing a one year deal. I believe it was a one year deal um, with the White Sox yes. and Matthew Boyd returning to Boyd, the Tigers Boyd, on a one year deal for uh, one year, $10 million. First of all, the, the one year 10 million cracked me up. People are like 10 million on Matthew Boyd. It's like it's one year and it's not your money. Like it's not really going <laughs> to prohibit the Tigers from doing anything. The reason yeah, they won't right. be if they're not good next year, it's not because they paid Matthew Boyd 10 million dollars. Um, what do you let's start with also, Mike Clevenger, though? Go I will say Matthew Boyd, um, if you're expecting one more from him, which is essentially pitching through the year, that's 10 million. 
10 yeah. million is roughly the war number. So yeah, makes sense. very good point. Very good point. Well, actually, let's let's stick with Boyd then. I mean, so we Boyd had an interesting career, right? He, you know, he pitched in Detroit and we obviously had uh, some moments where we were really in love with what he was doing. He goes over to San Francisco to do some rehab. He doesn't end up uh, uh, pitching for them in over the course of the season because he gets traded to Seattle where he comes in mostly in relief. Um there's a few interesting things that were happening with his pitches. He seemed to be doing some stuff with his fastball in his last couple appearances where the vertical approach angle was changing. It was getting a little bit more flat over the course of the season. Uh, I, I know some of this information thanks to a great conversation I've been having with Alex Chamberlain about Matthew Boyd over the past couple of days. But he, the vertical approach angle changed on the four-seamer a little bit, but I'm kind of prone to believe that we're not going to be able to get the Matthew Boyd back that we want unless there is that uptick in velo, right? One of the reasons we got so excited was he sat, what, 92? 93 sometimes 94 and his heater and all of a sudden it made all those other pitchers really effective i do wonder if he's able to work flat and up in the top of the zone with that four seamer maybe get rid of the sinker a little bit if he can unlock the slider and the changeup because that slider is very good but there's a lot of risk there what do you think about this signing for uh the detroit tigers so we got really excited about matthew boyd i believe it was 2018 if i remember correctly or maybe it was 2019 uh yeah. when he had that uh, major season with the, no, it was 2019, the high strike I ran, and then, of course, the long balls got him. Um, the uh, the high location actually was pretty good last year in the very small sample that he had. He threw about uh, just 63 fastballs, but hey, 55% high lock, which is the second highest of his career. Um, 2020 had a 58%, so maybe there is something that he can lean into it, but yeah, it was 11.5% swing strike rate on the fastball in 2019 for Boyd, 9.5% in 2022. Again, very small sample. He was sitting 92.6 out of relief, which would be the hardest of any of the last five seasons for him with that four-seamer. Maybe that is something that is huge. I remember when I we were really excited. <laughs> I, I will not forget. Maybe you remember it. Spring training. Um, I think this is before we talked to him. We were watching the game he was pitching. Mm-hmm. And he threw a change up to DJ LeMayhew. Mm-hmm. And both of us squealed. Do you yeah, remember yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We were in the press and, box. And we were saying this because uh, it was fastball slider in 2018 for Matthew Boyd. And if he had that change, we felt that he actually had a better weapon against right-handers and just something else to mix in here. I remember in that spring training, Matthew Boyd was so focused on getting that curveball also and the changeup working that the slider got a lot worse. Uh, it, was, it became more hittable um, in future seasons as well. And that is something I hope they can get back. You know, 143 in batting average allowed, for example, 2018, then jumped over 200 the past three years. And hard contact back then was 13%. In 2020, it was 23%. So I, I hope that slider can be as filthy as we remember it. That's the biggest thing for me. First, get that back to being golden. Then if mm. you can do that, then hopefully we get the fastball working. Maybe the changeup or something else. I don't have high expectations for fantasy quite yet. I, I think we need to see something out of him. But yeah, monitoring spring training. If he's throwing hard in spring training, sitting 93, 94, oof, that could be incredibly exciting. I'm not going to anticipate that considering it was 92.6 out of relief in 2022. Something you're going to hear ad nauseum too over the course of not just our podcast, but probably many podcasts as you prepare for the 2023 fantasy season is the, you know, the benefit that any pitcher in the AL Central would have had by throwing to other AL Central teams more is now moot. Uh, with with the change in the schedule. So there's also that. Kind um, of interesting. If you're on the Tigers, what advantage did you really have? What do you mean? Well, he, had to, he didn't get to face the Tigers. So no, they so faced the, the Guardians, Royals. Twins, and White Sox, which are, I would say, average, if not slightly above maybe with the Twins, um, Guardians. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not at, like it's a bigger deal being on the Twins than it is being on the Tigers. And that's sure. still yeah, lessened. Yeah, good point. Um, all right, let's move on to Mike Clevenger. I I really liked this signing because he slots in as kind of a number five for the White Sox, which I think at the moment, if Clevenger returns to what he did last year, that's a fine five. It's just kind of like it's a warm body with high upside. Um, but if you know, if this is his, uh, I believe his second Tommy John surgery, which is even more difficult to come back from. If you kind of consider that the last season was just kind of him figuring it out because it really was in many ways 
there, you know, this is a guy who's capable of low three ERAs over the course of a full season. It's just going to be strictly velo dependent. No pitcher will shoot up the boards more in drafts, in my opinion, if the velo starts to look like what it did in 2019, right? If we hear at the beginning of the year, you know, that he's sitting whatever it is, what, like 90, 95 five uh, on his four seamer, then yeah, Mike Clevenger is going to be a a, a great get. Um, But if he doesn't, I don't really expect too much out of him. It doesn't matter for the White Sox. Like I said, if he's going to be the four or the five in their rotation, uh, what are your thoughts on the signing from the White Sox? We need to see that slider come back too, though. It's not just the fastball velocity. We need to see the slider become in 19%, 21% swing strike rate pitch. It was just a 13 percent swing strike rate pitch across the full 114 inning season for Clevenger in 2022. No. You know, well, we we considered him a Cleveland Guardian pitcher, right? Mm. And that meant not fastball focused. It meant breaking ball focused. And if he doesn't have a whiff breaker, what are we doing here? So I hope that he can return it on the White Sox. I mean, you could make an argument, oh, 2022 was a year for Clevenger just to be healthy and not tweak as much with his stuff now that he's pitch for the year he can go into his laboratory and really hopefully as you mentioned increase the velocity of the fastball but really get the slider back which i'm not ruling out in any way i'm kind of in on the idea that he could and i don't want to just say oh he's done it's over but that's the biggest thing that i'm going to be looking for really that slider becoming a big whiff pitch once again i really did think that him going to um his old pitching coach and Ruben Niebla was going to return a lot of value for him. I mean, they have a, a good working relationship apparently, but we didn't really see, I'm just kind of double checking here. Yeah. We didn't really see any particular, let's see, spikes in his velo over the course of the year. Like I wanted to see if it was something where maybe he was just kind of taking it easy and then he would ramp up, but no, he pretty much sat 94 over the course of the entire year on his four seamer. Um, so it wasn't something like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I'm hoping that with like a full off season's rest uh, and 114 innings under his belt, maybe he can pick it up. But again, so here, I guess I'll put it this way. I think it's a really nice signing for the White Sox organization because if it doesn't pan out, that's fine. I think you can replace him as a number five. You don't need to rely on him. But if it does, then you, you've got a you've got a lot of good value there. Yeah, it's a good upside play where you're, as you mentioned, they're not depending on him to be an SB three. Say, hey, mm-hmm. you're an SB five. We have Cease, we have Lynn, we have Giolito and Kopech. So, yeah. So maybe a four or a five. We'll see how Kopech uh, recovers uh, this year. He should. I like him more, obviously, than Clevenger, but still. That is a little bit of a question mark. I think a lot of fans were hoping for something bigger than Clevenger, and it's a sign that they're not going to get a pitcher. I would be very mm-hmm. shocked if they would sign a bigger free agent starter at this point because they do believe in Kopech to be in there, and they, you don't sign Clevenger for him to not start. Uh, so we'll see how the uh, the White Sox feel at the rest of the rotation. Um, I can understand that pushback for people saying, oh, we wanted something more than Clevenger. Yeah, the White Sox are not, with with Jose Abreu gone too. I don't know if that white that offense is really another one that really has people shaking in their boots, does yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Uh, I'm curious how Andrew Vaughn does. Me talking about hitter, I know, I know, I'll stop. <clears throat> um, all right. So anyway, we, we got to the sorry, I tried to move away from the mic. So you didn't have to hear me just cough on the mic as loud as possible. Um, like I said, what we're doing today that we're focusing on these steamer projections. So why don't we go ahead and jump into these right now? What we want to do is we're going to focus on a few guys that we feel that steamer is a bit too high on. Um, that, that is, they feel like their ERA is going to be very low and we don't think it's going to be that low. And then a few, uh, projections that we feel steamer is a bit too low on, which is the antithesis, right? We think that steamer thinks that, you know, these guys are going to have five ERAs and we think they're going to have three ERAs. Um, and then we're also going to settle on a guy that we feel steamer got just right. Now, if you spent a lot of time with steamer projections before, uh, it's a great projection system, obviously not too dissimilar from other projection systems in that it's, a formula based off uh, uh, past performance as well as age and bringing into, you know, how aging impacts performance and so forth and so on. I'm not going to break down what an algorithm is for you. Um, but you also <laughs> know that there's a, a good amount of times where these err on the side of caution, I guess is the good way yes. to put it, where the ERAs and whips can be a little bit inflated. Uh, I believe there's only like maybe five or six guys uh, with an E with a whip that's projected to believe be below like 1.1 1. 1, 
Uh, yeah, there are seven guys yeah. who are projected to have a whip below 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, so you take it with a grain of salt. Um, but with that said, I guess we should, you know, we each have a few guys that we still feel that even with that said, even with them kind of being um, high on a lot of guys um, or uh, pessimistic about a lot of guys, I should say, there are a few that maybe they're a bit too optimistic on, right? And, guys, uh, and just just to give you guys a, a frame of reference, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It was about 20 mm-hmm. pitchers this year that were qualified, not even, say, like 140 innings or so, that had a whip under 110 this year. Yeah. So, Wait, how Jordan many? You said 20? Yeah, 19. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was 109. I don't remember. That's realize. amazing. Yeah. So Good double. <laughs> Double, um, <laughs> double what they're projecting. But l- let's start with a few. I-, I think rather than saying guys they're too high or too low on, because I think that can be a little bit um, still confusing, even for me. I still don't know if I got it right. But we'll start with guys that they're too high on or they are too optimistic on, right? Too optimistic. This is okay. So um, before the podcast started, <laughs> I had to bring this up. Yeah, yeah I, go ahead. Last is like, okay, wait, hold on a second. I'm trying to understand. What do you mean by too high or too low, Nick? I'm like, oh, okay. So too high is who I think there are too favorable on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. I'm going to expect to hear your fast. Go, oh, all right, cool. I got it. It goes, oh, no, 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 no. What I did it was the guys that are too favorable. <laughs> and if that makes no sense yeah. to you, it's because it doesn't. He just repeated exactly what I said, but put emphasis on too, as if like Very I'm supposed good. to get that now. This isn't a Seinfeld sketch. Where Very did he put good. the emphasis? Oh, why would Jerry? You know, this is yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Put the wrong emphasis on the wrong to level. <laughs> Uh, uh, so so right so that's so too high is too optimistic mm-hmm. now i like that you've changed the word yeah I, maybe i'm maybe i'm crazy i still think it's confusing but look, why don't you why don't you kick us off here well I'm well gonna, how do you want to do it you want to go one too high one too low or you want to just yeah yeah that sounds good i'm gonna i'm okay. not gonna steal yours because you had you had i mean it's kind of hard honestly to find guys that they're too optimistic on because in general it feels that like they're very pedestrian they're very conservative they're not mm-hmm. You know, when I said like, oh, 20 guys went above the one, you know, 120 whip, I'm sure that they their whip was a certain way where there were 20 guys on the other side of the extreme. They just crunch it like a compressor, you know, with all of these. Right. So I get that. It's kind of hard to figure out. It's like they maybe they're too optimistic relative to the others mm-hmm. is an interesting way that I'm trying to think about it, too. Um I won't steal your two because I know you'll struggle to find some backups and I won't do that to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's, that's that was the best backhand compliment I could maybe. I, say. I, I don't I don't think it was actually a backhand compliment at all. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> it a compliment. Was just a, it was an insult. Just, I don't know why yeah, you it. Just, it really just messed me up that you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they are too high on Alex Cobb as as one of them. Uh, he's look. We all know that it was a. <laughs> Fortunate. Wait, he just said you. He just said you weren't gonna steal one of mine, and then you stole one oh, of mine. Oh yeah, I forgot that was one of yours. Well, I'm not stealing the other two. <laughs> he just had this, this whole preamble about how you weren't gonna do what you just did. What did you do? How did you? How did you diss me and then still steal the person? <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. I forgot that you. Okay, I, I gave you the other two that were like super obvious. Okay. It's like All I'm right, gonna give them the the slam dunks. I thought I was being sneaky. Then I forgot that you gave me this whole like. I just wrote that. I'm like, no, you didn't. I wrote it. And then he wrote it in like a second thing, and I just completely Ugh. like. I registered it for me to say, oh, okay, I see it, but not actually to the point that you put him as too high. Anyway, Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb, hi, you're too high at a 346 ERA. And why is that too high? Because he's right behind Zach Wheeler and Brandon Woodruff, but then right ahead, Chris Sale, Aaron Nola, Shane Bieber, Kevin Gosman, Justin Berlando, Clayton Kershaw. What? I, I Look, it was, again, unlucky. We understand this with Alex Cobb. The, the Giants defense underperformed based on our expectations from last year. Stack has darling all the way through. All of that, I get it. I still think the faults of Alex Cobb are present where he doesn't have a third option. He, he really buys into the curveball's fine for a show me strike early, but 
Talk to Pete Alonso. He took that one out in one of the most unfortunate innings ever, and he was forced to throw that curveball for a strike, and Alonso was ready for it, and it messed up everything. And the fastball, to me, is not this elite offering, and the splitter is very much so at times. It's absolutely filthy. It's not as consistent as Kevin Gosman's. He is still going to have volatility this year. 125 whip, uh, 166 innings is what Steamer has for Alex Cobb with that 346 uh, ERA. Also, I mean, you know, nine or 873K per nine is, I guess that's fair. It's just that ERA to me is too, too good for mm-hmm. Alex Cobb. Was there anything that you wanted to add? Because you might have put him down too fast. I, I did have him put down. I just thought that, you know, it's not the same analysis that you have here, but uh, I, I did put him down as a guy that they were a little bit too high. And I mean, I think a lot of the conversation that people had about Alex Cobb over the course of years that he was just one of the unluckiest pitchers in all of baseball last year. And while I think there is a good case to be made that there is going to be, you know, uh, um, positive steps for him, maybe there are some like it, we're talking about Steamer saying that he's going to have the what like third best era of his career and best era since 2014 i mean like, he did I, have a 373 this past year and if you I know but a, a 280 fip and everyone and that's that's what's driving this no but i get well i know but i is think it of it relatively so, like think of it this way of i'm not necessarily saying that alex cobb can't have like a 35 era this year it's just that like he should not be in between Sale and and Woodruff, you know, or really I don't Aaron know. Nola and Bieber. Above, I that. think it that is right to me. I'm curious to know how they kind of came to this projection, considering you don't see many guys who are going from their 35 to 36 season in steamer projections uh, lose a, a good amount of, or not a good amount, but lose do better in their ERA projections, right? Mm-hmm. Like if he's heading into his year 36 season, you know, he he had a velo last year that I'll be curious to see if Man, it's sustainable again. Next year, I was like, you must be talking about somebody else, not Alex no, Cobb. Yeah. Oh my God. No, dude, gosh. he's 36. Yeah, he's 36. 36? Um, so I'll be curious to see he's if he can- me? Yeah, I know. That's that's the barometer. Um, I'll be curious to see if going to his age 36 season, he can have another full year of, you know, sitting 95 on his on his uh, on his his uh, fastball. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I don't I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about him. I think he, he can be good. I don't think he's going to be a four ERA guy. I think the, the, the whip will take a step back. But again, I I don't know. I just don't see a, a, a low three, four ERA for him and his best ERA since 2014 uh, happening in his age 36 season. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't love the whip, which I get, but it's also, it's like, all right, yeah, the whip is going to be high. So but it's, but it has, but it actually would be his best whip since 2017. Yeah, that's right. 130 last year, 126, 134, 186, 141. Yeah. 338. Babip is the thing that everyone's like, oh man, that's the problem. But, 28% hard contact rate, 124th in the majors for Alex Cobb. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Now, now he is second in ground ball rate. Yeah, with uh, obviously Fran Valdez is the king, the king of the ground balls. It's Fran Valdez. <laughs> that's that's how he refers to himself. Sure, so I, I'm told. Well done. Um, I have my sources. Um, all right, so fast. Uh, who yeah. is someone that you are too high on? <laughs> Well, there's a uh, too optimistic. They are too, too optimistic. optimistic. They are too optimistic. Yeah. Um, and his name is Alex. Is, <laughs> yeah. It's so hold on. Hold on. I got to research and find another guy real quick. Um, this is a, no, it's actually staying in the same vein as another guy who relied pretty heavily on ground balls in the past couple seasons. Um, and it's, it's David Peterson. So it's, mm. as of right now, David Peterson is projected to be the number four for the Mets. And honestly, even if they re-sign DeGrom, he's probably still in the rotation as their five as it'll hopefully knock Eliezer Hernandez out of that rotation because Peterson is a better Eliezer Hernandez. Um, we saw about 105 innings out of him last year. Steamers projecting 133. And if anything, that might be a little bit too low. Um, they're projecting a low three ERA for him, though, a 3-4-2 ERA, which is interesting. I imagine it's because he's 27. He's got a, a slider that picked up, what, like a, a near 26% swinging strike rate last year. Yeah. Um, he p- he picked up velocity on the four seamer too, which is really good. And like we said, he's going to have a, a job out of camp at the moment. What I find is interesting though, is they actually project him to take a step back in K percentage. 
Um, and they think that that's going to lead to an increase in, in ERA. Um, now, he's had an elevated whip the past couple seasons. It hasn't been the largest sample size in 2021, but last year, even with the increased velocity, he had a 133 whip with a 313 BABIP. So if we're starting to establish that David Peterson's BABIP might be, um, you know, if 300's the norm, overall but you know this is something that's more contextual that you need to think about what it is for that given pitcher if he is a guy who sustains a 3-5 to 3-10 BABIP over the course of the year which makes sense with the 49 or 50 percent ground ball rate that it seems difficult for me to take a lot of positive steps forward and get closer to a low uh a low three ERA. Um, so yeah, I, I don't necessarily think Dave Peterson is going to be bad. I think there is a fun fastball slider mix there and the changeup is an interesting third option for him. I just don't know if I buy that he's going to be on the lower end of the three ERA spectrum. What about you? Yeah, that, that changeup needs to get a lot better. 47% strike rate is, oh, that is abysmal for a pitch you throw 15% of the time. You can't, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, that's got to be like a 60% strike pitch. Uh, and that's, that's that really needs some work there. Um, the slider is elite. I mean, it's really, really good. That 26% swing strike rate is great. There are times it goes away and or he misses very badly with it. Mm. Um, but, oh, man, it, it is an absolutely filthy pitch, especially when it's on. Um, and the four-seamer did add some velo, but lost uh, some whiffs on it. Uh, he did go up a lot, though. 58% high lock is good. Average is 51% um, high lock on four seamers. So high location is good for four seamers for whiffs, but 9.4% swing strike rate on it seems a little lower than I would, I would expect with that elevation. Uh, I wonder if that can get better for David Peterson. But yeah, it is a little too optimistic to be a sub 3.5 ERA guy. Um, I mean, I like David Peterson. He's I think he's a nice mm-hmm. deep option. I actually don't even think he has a rotation spot out of camp personally. I think the Mets are going to be aggressive on the market. And yeah. I'm crossing my fingers that Ty Lord McGill still has the spot. Yeah, um, He has it above uh, David Peterson. But as of right now, you have Carlos Carrasco and you have Scherzer. Uh, you imagine David uh, they're going to do everything they can to get Jacob deGrom in. So that's already three. And if they add one more on top of that, then David Peterson is out of it, right? Yeah. Uh, so... That, that, that's where my mindset is with Peterson. I'm not going to be pursuing him in 12-teamers. Um, and, I mean, the one thing that I am trying to bring up as I'm doing this series of reviewing every single starting pitcher, checking my Twitch streams in the morning to do those, uh, I'm also going to be putting those out as Plus Pitch Podcasts for everybody in January, which is really fun. Ooh. I'm going over also the uh, early schedule. And if David Peterson's in this rotation, the Mets are going to get four games in Miami and then a game or three games in uh, Milwaukee. So David Peterson against the Brewers as a lefty too, to take down Yelich in that way. Uh, pretty easy. Yeah, that could be not so bad. Um, that might be worthwhile at the very end of your draft. 23rd round, you want some start. But I prefer generally for my last pick to be somewhat I'm going to start the opening weekend. Mm. And David Peterson, unless he's the four, if he's the four, then I think actually he does get that opening weekend. Um, if he's a fifth, he's not, and I'd rather get a start and then assess earlier with that guy, as opposed to waiting until Tuesday or so to make that assessment, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. And that's no fun doing that, especially when like you drafted a guy and then someone else is doing well and you don't know if you should hold on to the one you drafted yet. Yeah. Uh, try and find people that start that opening weekend. So David Peterson, I'm not interested. I think three, four, three ERA is too good to be true. I'm with you. Let's move over real quick to a few of the guy or one guy back and forth that we feel we are too pessimistic about. But before we do, we're going to take this quick break. And that's it. Game over. Alex wins. I'm one and oh in the in so December. Um, no, I'm one and oh in the month of December. I, I, I retire. Gave fa- I gave fast. He was about to smoothly go into you heard that sentence. It was all about let's mm-hmm. go into this one. It wasn't before we go into this one. Let's go mm-hmm. into this one. But mm-hmm. I gave him that look of like a wink mm-hmm. and a smile, but like you're forgetting something. And he caught himself and he even admitted it. Mm, prove it. He admitted it. I always no sure audio. <laughs> the audio of it. <laughs> There's no audio. Uh, <laughs> and uh yeah, so I, uh, you know, fine, take your win this time fast. Congrats. Oh, and I retire. I, I win the month of December. 
Uh, you won you maybe retire? September. Guys, yeah, it I retired. It's been a really nice run. Uh, with 380 the episodes. Uh, you know, uh, it started in Vast's apartment and will end not anywhere near him. Apparently. Anyway. So. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to some of the guys that we feel that, uh, and there, there's a litany of these and uh, guys that we feel Steamer is a little bit too pessimistic. Are the, These are the guys that are are kind of like way out. Like some of these dudes are 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 way out. We we think they're way too pessimistic on these guys. Um, I, I'm gonna start first since you started the last round, and I'm afraid you're gonna steal sure. this guy from right down under my nose. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm listen. I'm gonna do a quick peek behind the curtain here, and I'm gonna say one of the ways that I did my research for this particular podcast was to see what the proje- uh, projected ERA was um for the 2023 season and then what the uh, actual era was for the last season and i wanted to see where the biggest disparities were and the person who i am leading off with uh had a is projected to have a 437 era oh, wow. and in order to find their era in 2022 you would need to divide the projected ERA in half, you'd need to cut it in half, and then you would still need to subtract some more uh, because this person had a 214 ERA with an 87 whip over 130 innings, and that is Tony wait, wait, Gonsolin. I, I was going to no, say, sorry. Who, no, 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 because the ERA is 437. There's another pitcher who actually is projected to have a 437 ERA by steamer. There's another person, who, another pitcher is projected to have that same ERA? Yeah, don't don't shout it out when you see it. Um, for okay. the listeners, this pitcher um, is left-handed, um, pitches in the NL East. I'm um, signed a massive contract. Oh and my I think god! He would not be considered oh. on the same level as Tony Gonsolin. And my that is god, Corbin! <laughs> oh my sweet Christmas! <laughs> but at least hey. Gonsolin has two points on whip on him from 132 to 134 at Patrick Corbin. So, yeah, who would you rather have next year, Patrick Corbin or Tony Gonsolin? Fast. That is bananas. Uh, wow, that is bananas. So, so okay, wow, that is crazy. So, I would love, like, listen, yeah, what? Yeah. That's nuts. Anyway, all right, 437 <laughs> ERA for Tony Gonsolin. I, I, I'm also kind of struggling to see, like, algorithmically what they think could happen because I feel like these algorithms and these projections genuinely favorize the, these damn algorithms. They generally favor guys who are getting into the prime of their career. Tony Gonsolin's 28, going into his uh, age 29 um, season. Uh, he, you know, had a pretty much a rotation spot last year. How they think he's going to double his ERA, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you could make a very good case that the 214 ERA is wholly unsustainable. But listen, even if he loses that and fully regresses towards his FIP or even fully regresses towards his Sierra, which was at 374. We're not even close to a 4.37 ERA. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if he had a low to mid three ERA next year. I mean, I imagine they're taking a look at that 207 BABIP and saying, oof, um, you know, he's, he, that's going to fall considerably. It's going to fall to 300, even though the highest of his career is 250. But there's an arsenal there. I mean, I don't need to make a case for the fact that Tony Gonsolin is good. This is a guy that would have been in the Cy Young race if he would have had over 170 innings. Um, so, yeah, this is just kind of a, 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 a wild one to me. So uh, would you say that those that are too obsessed over the algorithm would be alcoholics? Alcoholics. Very good. <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. Very nice. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Um, a lot of people like to say that Tony Gonsolin was destroyed by the bat of Giancarlo Stanton in the All-Star game. Okay. And that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I want to say. I mean, really, the All-Star game, he had two starts after that were bad, and that was it. Um, no, Tony Gonsolin has a really good splitter. It has routinely returned very low batting averages allowed, 106 in 2021 and 113 in 2022. Insane, insane marks, especially considering that its strike rate was 70%. And I've talked about it last year in in this um, offseason. In that offseason, I do it again here. If you can throw strikes with the pitch and not allow a high batting average innately, that is great. That is exactly what you want to do. You want to throw strikes and not get not allow hits. Um, and his splitter does that phenomenally well. 
The slider is the biggest question for me. It allowed a 137 batting average allowed, only 16% hard contact, but he doesn't throw enough strikes with it. He's, I think, a little too reliant on it out of the zone. While the fastball does get hit, it's a very susceptible fastball. So for me to believe more in Tony Gonsolin, I need to see the slider get more strikes than 60%. Doesn't need to be that much more, however. And really, the one-two punch of splitter slider is good enough to avoid a Patrick Corbin-esque season. So, yeah, this is this is way too low. Um, the Dodgers also don't have enough pitchers at the moment. He seems like he's healthy and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm all cool with, with going after Gonsolin. Innings per start is generally a problem. I uh, with Gonson 5.4 as opposed to like pushing six or so. That's fine. The the Dodgers are still going to win lots of games and he's still got 16 wins despite just 24 starts. Is he going to have a 75% win chance? No, but you know, pretty good. Pretty, yep. pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Why don't we go over to a guy that you feel 67, that... 67%. I'm sorry, not 75. All good. I'll forgive you this once. Why don't we move to a guy that you feel that steamer is a bit too pessimistic on? I mean, I know it's a lot. Sandy Alcantara isn't going to have a 120 whip. I know, but I'm not letting you do this one. Because this is. Max Freed isn't going to do 123. No, do the other five because these are really good ones. Because you're right. Sandy and Max are are, are a little bit bananas. That's that's, that's just uh, just too much. All right. I I mean, I'm a fan of Jesus Lazardo. I understand the projection. Like, I get it because it's not. Generally, these are over three years, and it's not about what they've done recently as much. And I totally understand that. 385 ERA with a 128 whip and a 25% K rate um, across 146 innings. So they're saying, look, you're going to be generally healthy now and start more starts than you ever have in a season. That's good. We're here. We're there. We're everywhere. Um but the whip and the ERA to me are just no, 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 no. Three eight five is not too egregious. I'm gonna, I'll say that. It's like that's you know what, not not too ridiculous. I mean, maybe it's just in general the whip marks are too too low. But man, I mean, yeah, this whole thing is the Troy section, and the other one is the human section. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. Troy we've got too low. Yeah, and then the human you've got two eyes. What is happening here? I have you've you've lost two my eyes. You two eyes. Uh-huh. Two eyes. Okay. Two eyes. Okay. So those, I'm just that's why I'm calling these two. Anyway, this so is it's the not droids. Okay. What? <laughs> it's two not eyes. optimistic and pessimistic. It's no, Troys it's, and Troys and humans. Yes. Um. Because you have two eyes. You know. You you you. I think you might need to go touch grass, Nick. I'm a little bit worried yeah, with you with how much you've been streaming. If, if probably that's. a little bit. Um, but uh, wow, touch grass. Oh man, yeah. I didn't know how old Zelda was. She's teaching you all the things now. I, <laughs> uh, but all right. Um, Jesus Lazardo, I think, showcased that I have an excellent curveball and have ex- excellent changeup. I am throwing harder than I was in 2021. He's done all the things that you would want out of him to display a much better talent than a 128 web season. I, I, yeah. I really don't think. <laughs> That's what we're going to see next year. I'm not going to push back too hard on the 385 because whatever. That's fine. Um, but yeah, be, be really excited about Jesus Lazardo. I think this could be a good year of him. Honestly, they're saying 146 innings. Fine. Great. I'm not going to yeah. argue against that one. Um, I think the skills are there. I think it's just really health at this point for Jesus Lazardo. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. He had his, his curveballs his best pitch in my book, but then the changeup actually became his best pitch. And he went back and forth uh, utilizing both of them when he was before the injury and then after the injury. But four-seamer improved as well. So things are good with Jesus Lazardo. Okay. Um, let's go back to people that we feel that Steamer is a bit too optimistic on and the ball is in your court. Ah, this is weird because I, I tried to find like some deep boys. Uh-huh. And it's pretty much based on the relative field that we're talking about. Like, who are, are is Steamer too optimistic on? And so I, I just quoted you, Jesus Lazardo, 385 ERA, around 140 innings and a 128 whip or so, right? Well, J.P. Sears is a 394 with a 128 whip and 134 innings. And I do not buy J.P. Sears and what he does. If you remember, he was inside of the Frankie Montes, Frankie Montes deal with the Yankees. Frankis, 
Bites. Frankus Montus. <laughs> the species Frankus Montus. <laughs> and Seaver's essentially replicating what Sears did this year. 386 ERA and a 129 whip. I think he overperformed as it was going on. I remember those first four, a couple starts he got um, with the Athletics. Actually, he had not surrendered more than two earned runs in a game uh, until his uh, seventh, sorry, his eighth start of the year when he allowed three. And if you watch these starts, oh man, no, 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 no. Fastball to 316 average allowed, 36% hard contact, 23% CSW. Like this is not a good pitch to base everything on. So at least you got to have that really strong secondary offering, right? I mean, that fastball's coming at 93 is just like T city, you know, um, the Brits love it. No, it's T ball city. Um, the slider prevented hard contact. That's good. But it doesn't miss bats, and he relies a lot on called strikes with it. And didn't really end too many at-bats with it anyway. I don't think it's a premier slider. Uh, on the swing strike rate, it's very low also. 12% swing strike rate. Now, 36% CSW because of that heavy called strike rate. But it is something he gets free real estate with often. 65% early uh, percentage on that slider. Um, and then changeup is... Uh, uh, yeah, that's what you get. It, it throws in the zone a lot, but I think it's pretty susceptible to damage as well. 32% hard contact. And that's it. That's JP Sears. This is nothing to get excited about. You're not going to get wins with us. Uh, I think the ERA and whip, I mean, really the ERA being under four, I think it's going to be like, oh, well, maybe I should. Nah, no, don't do this. I don't know why Sears was the one that was pushed up dramatically as opposed to others. I think it's a very pedestrian arsenal um, that should return closer to a four or five. Is I'm really trying to figure this out. Is JP Sears just Cole Irvin without velocity? Yeah, there was actually some arguments about that. And without velocity, like Cole Irvin I, has less velocity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I meant the other way around. Like, so he's he he has with velocity, I should say. Is he just Cole Irvin with velocity? Because they're both lefties that used to both pretty dominantly feature four seam slider changeup. Obviously, Irvin jumped up a sinker uh in the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, Irvin sits 90 and uh, and Sears sits about 93. But these yeah, are guys who are both yeah. low strikeout guys with good command. Yeah, the, the A's are the only team in the in the majors. I look at Cole Irvin. I'm like, what do we do to replicate this guy? Yeah, exactly. It, it's really like they do seem to have a type where they're just like, yep, yeah, just don't worry about the strikeouts. I mean, so just to, command to be it. fair, they got two guys under a four ERA for a, a good amount of innings last year about 250 i mean that's productivity for them but like for your fantasy teams i don't think that either one should be expected to stick under a four yeah toby's yeah at best and you don't draft toby's guys you don't draft toby's um all right fast who is your your troy oh god uh so for Too me it, it's it, it, <laughs> I just don't get this. Uh, it's uh, it's Andrew Heaney. Uh, now I understand Andrew Heaney is coming no, no, off a season. That's too high, fast. That's too no, high. Not. That's a human, huh? You think no? That we're, we're on the two highs. I just said uh, Troy. <laughs> I, I, I still don't get the Troy thing. You, you understand just who no. Troy is because they're too low. Whiskey, get get it? Troy, Troy? too low. Whiskey, uh huh? Too low. Okay, what? But we're, huh? We were, you just did a guy. I know, this one I did know, optimistic I did. and pessimistic. Okay, all right. That's why you don't host, guys. It's just all no, just fast. It goes, it goes pessimistic, pessimistic, optimistic, optimistic, pessimistic, pessimistic. You, you just that? did. You want to do a proper snake draft of this. I was just that's trying how, to go too high. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's how we've been doing it. Um, I'm staying whatever the Troy Tulowitzki follow Troy thing is. I'm going with no, another guy. not Troy. It's the human now because they're too high. <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> a guy that they are too high on, which means that they are too optimistic about. Yeah, too, uh, too favorable. Too favorable. Exactly. Is Andrew Heaney. Um yeah. I it is I, I mean listen if he goes back with the Dodgers I, maybe they are going to be able to sustain the kind of he says it wasn't a, a sweeper um, but the, the the breaking pitch that he kind of tweaked and <laughs> up the usage of yeah whatever like okay fine um, I you know it, he had that three ten ERA last year which is far and away 
the best ERA of his career. The last time he was even under four was when he was back with the Angels in 2015. When he was um, three years old. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So he's going into his age 32 season. He's very injury prone. They're also projecting him to get 140 innings, which would be his highest total since 2018. Um, you know, even if you take out the 2020 season, he only went over 100 innings once in 2021. And that was it under 119, 20 and 2022. So I just don't know if I buy into 140 innings of a 113 whip with a 359 ERA. Um, I think he's more a, if anything, a high three, low four ERA with a higher whip, fewer innings. Um, yeah, maybe those strikeouts can stick around a little bit if he can sustain that. I'm always very interested in, like, I'll be very curious to see if Andrew Heaney can retain the teachings that the that any that the Dodgers specifically gave him. So uh, to, to rephrase that, like if a te- if a pitcher goes to a team and learns something and then goes to a different team, does that change stick with them or does the organization have a play a part in the sustaining of that particular uh, yeah, methodology right, that right. that pitcher is now employing? It's very interesting yeah, to think about. I'm going to think that Andrew Heaney keeps the pitch wherever he goes he keeps the pitch but if you lose the pitch can you find it again yeah maybe not but tyler anderson i think is gonna throw more change-ups still with the angels for example yeah that's true until the angels are like why are you throwing a change up and he's like it's my best pitch and they're like oh isn't show high fun and they're like okay uh that's how angels meetings go show high show high otani Otani. i don't know i was hoping to just breeze past it but we're not doing that today (laughs) what are your thoughts on andrew (laughs) heating Yeah, this is too favorable. Um, His 109 whip was way too good for what we expect from Major Heaney. And 113 saying like, oh, no, everything's fine. He's going to do the same thing. I was like, I mm -hmm." no, I yeah. I mean, I think it's it's just as simple as that. The slider was excellent. I think the thing over the, the career of Andrew Heaney that I've been pushing back on is what is his consistency like? How is he able to replicate on it from one start to the next? And I've seen the excellence of Andrew Heaney many times through his career. Um, and then it just doesn't stick around is the problem. And he has been a cherry bomb forever. We didn't see much of him in 2022. And I think that's the problem a bit because we didn't see a long enough season for the volatility to show itself. So give him a, a proper season. Yeah, Andrew Heaney is not going to be this good again. And uh, I, I very much agree with this. Wow, you took one of mine. Unbelievable. Oh, stop. Uh, we're going to go to the people. Now we're going to switch back. Yeah, it's yeah. my Who turn. Who is your Troy? Who is your Troy? Who is my yeah. Troy that they yeah. are too, too low. low on? Yeah. Um, so listen, there. Uh, uh, can I do this? Yeah, I can. There's a few that are easy ones to kind do of knock out, right? Like Urias, Manoa, Cortez. Unbelievable. Like, just like all those are other dudes who like have the largest it's like disparity between. It's like over four ERA for Urias. Yeah, it's it's it is really crazy. I, I don't, I don't know that. why they're doing that, but I'm actually going to go to one that I think is a little bit more fun. Um, oh. and I probably will be wrong about this, um, but I'm going to say it's actually Xavier Curry. I'm going to say, really? yeah, it is. Yeah, you want to do something um, spicy? Yeah, I want to do something a little bit spicy. With the curry. Right? With a yeah, a little spicy curry here. Xavier Curry, you know, top ten pitching prospect uh, for for Cleveland, top ten overall prospect for the Guardians. Um, had a little bit of a you know had a nine inning uh, debut uh, where he got shellacked. Um, in nine innings, two though. starts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was not it was not great, and you can kind of throw all those statistics uh, uh, out of the window. Two games. That was over two yeah. games. Yeah, it's not one debut of nine innings. It was it was it was not pretty uh, with his two oh four whip, um, absolutely hysterical. I don't know. I think if you look at a guy who is ranked that high, who's got a, a top tier fastball and a very good curveball, um, I feel very confident in the way that Cleveland um, introduces. Uh, pitchers. I understand that we just talked about a two start sample. I don't think that's enough to dig into. I think you know, find me another organization that we have seen such great talent come and not struggle quite as much in making the transition from AAA to the majors as Cleveland, right? They're up there with, with the Rays and with the Dodgers. Um, we've seen it in the past from them. I think, you know, I, I have heard that that organization 
treats their AAA players as if they are MLB players and that they are game planning the exact same way so that when they get to the big league level, they're prepared. There, there, there is no change in methodology. They understand how to attack hitters uh, and that learning curve isn't there anymore. Um, so he he does have a, about a 4-7 ERA for next year. I don't know. I think he is capable of beating that. I think if he does break camp in that rotation where there is a, a good possibility that he will do that, um, or at least make his, uh, you know, crack the rotation in, in May or so, because right now it's what Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, Savali, and Plezak. So Savali and Plezak. And then and Cody Sabian. Morris, I think, is ahead. I actually did the oh, the whole Morris. thing on the on the Guardians already. I didn't even include Curry because really, I think Cody Morris has the in for a number six spot. And yeah, that rotation's set. You know, more so, so that's interesting. So right now he's projected to be in long relief. You think he's going to jump up and be a starter if they need it? Mm. You know, because yeah, they have they're good to go right now. But he's never been a uh Morris. No, he has. Yeah, yeah, he, has. he just hasn't. Year. Yeah, he just uh, hasn't really racked up a lot of innings. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But Xavier Curry. 6% strikeout rate, 13% walk rate in those 9.1 innings, which is stupid. I know. I just, it's fun to see that because you never get to see it. I remember watching him, and my biggest takeaway was this man is volatile. Hmm. Uh, I like the movement on the slider. I think it can be very vicious at moments. And I remember seeing that in the debut and going, I'm wondering what I'm going to see in the next one. Then he had five walks and zero strikeouts. And okay, there's work to be done uh, with Zamin Curry. So that that's we'll see. I, I like what you're saying about Cleveland and how they've somehow developed all of these pitchers and you're explaining a little bit why. And maybe they do with Curry as well. I yeah, I'm not gonna push back too hard on uh on this. In fact, I might even say that the one thirty three whip is favorable uh for someone to me that has uh volatility on his name. Um, so, what, so you're but maybe but you're, not. I mean, I mean, then again, like I saw a, a nine inning debut yeah. through the uh, minors, ten percent walk rate in AAA, but only six point seven, and in, in about seventy innings in AA in this past year. Maybe he isn't as volatile as I'm making him out to be. Um, I mean, the strike rates in those nine innings were terrible, but I, I just, mm, I think there's still more to be done. Uh, and we'll see. How dare you? Uh, no, that's totally yeah. fair. Uh, that is totally fair. So let's jump now to the person that you are. Uh, you feel that Steamer is a bit too pessimistic on the Troy. Is that a human? Oh, it's a Troy. A Troy. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Jose or Kitty. I have a couple I could choose. Yeah. From. And I think this is unjust. Jose or Kitty to me is a fascinating pitcher who is. Uh, low walk rates, a kitchen sink approach, and had his worst hit per nine last year at 8.43 and a 117 whip. And Seymour says, oh no, we can do worse. Brought him down to a 128 whip, 9.25 hit per nine, and then the ERA, which has never been above four, all the way down to four, six. Four, six. Yeah. That's like... One and one in one point one five Patrick Corbin's. Okay, that's (laughs) you mean Tony Gonsolin's. Yeah, (laughs) Tony Gonsolin's. That's insane to me. Uh, I think the story of Jose Arquiti for the year was not relying actually enough on his changeup curveball side, which I think are all great and they get enough strike rates. And there was just a little bit too much of the emphasis on the fastball. And that can be adjusted. He also had the injury that messed him up a little. I think this is something that the Astros are going to look at and be like, okay, no, no, no. These numbers are a little bit off. You got to do this, Urquidy. And there you go. They still have an excellent um, offense. They only have met nine uh, offense and defense, I should say. Uh, their offense is going to get better. Nine wins for Urquidy, despite 28 starts to me, is also on the low end. Um, I mean, they're expecting because of the 460 Ray, he's not going to get as many wins. But man, I, can, I see a double-digit win guy with a good ERA and whip next year. And Jose Urquidy. So I think they're they're missing the ball here. All right. So uh, we're, we're each going to do um, one more person that we feel uh, is they're too pessimistic on the humans. Um, right. Humans. Is that no. what you're calling them? The, That's too optimistic. 
humans are too optimistic. Two eyes. Two yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Too optimistic. They're too high on. They're too okay. high on them. Too optimistic. We're going to do one of each of those, and then we're going to get to our just rights. So, Nick, we're going to start with okay. you. Someone that you feel, Steamer, uh, these are. Can you do the, are you going to do the obvious one? No, you can I do the obvious them. one. You can do the obvious Do you have one. another one? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not stealing two of yours. This will be too much. Um, no, 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 Brian. No, Brian Bayo to me, a uh, three eight ninety array is too too good, uh, for conservative estimate for Brian Bayo. I understand he throws ninety six and ninety seven, the high velocity. I don't think there's enough there. Uh, I think the slider's too eh. The 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 sinker is not jamming enough batters and is doesn't miss bats. And the the changeup has the moments. Like I, I remember seeing starts where that worked out really well. We watched them earlier this week on Twitch. But Brian Bayo has a lot to figure out still. And this is going to be a battle for him. Especially they're acknowledging, look, he's going to be a decent walk guy and hits per nine guy. Why is the ERA under four? I don't know. I really, I just don't know. They're saying, oh, not as many home runs because it's a sinker. I mm, I think that Brian Bayo at a 389 is very favorable. I think every Boston Red Sox fan will be thrilled at a three eight nine from Brian Bayo next year, and I saw that one, and I saw no 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 no, Batman. I so mine is not Tyler Glass now. That's who you were gonna take, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the obvious one. I mean, it's a three nineteen ERA, one eleven WHIP, but one hundred and sixty innings. Mm. I mean, that was like blows me away. That is just so favorable on Glass. I'm not saying that he can't do that. Just that's like what we're all hoping for. If that's what it is, then you know you can see the ADPs outside the top twenty starters. I think right now and. You get that, then you know he's better than that, right? So. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying that wasn't mine. Mine is actually Aaron Ashby. Um, ah. Now, I, 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 I still believe in Aaron Ashby. I mean, I think last year was a year that was definitely detracted or derailed, I should say, by injury. Um, they have him with a 3.38 ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe that's because they only envision him making about 20 starts with like eight relief appearances, but still. Um, I like maybe they're anticipating that Aaron Ashby goes the way of Corbin Burns a couple years ago or goes mm-hmm. the way of Freddie Peralta where like I, I don't like I, I maybe it's just because it's so off the cuff, but I struggle to think of another organization that has been so quick to be able to turn pitchers around in the past couple of years. Right. Where it's like the one off season in the same organization and all of a sudden, bam, they just like find something new with them. And maybe Ashby can do that, but we know what Ashby is good at, right? Like we know that he's got a very, very good sinker slider mix. Um, Now the, the sinker, Lost a little bit of velo last year, and that very well could have been because of the injury. But even if he gets back to being the 97, 96 mile an hour sinker thrower that he was and returning to the 29% K rate, he, he still had a, you know, a, a, a mid four ERA in 2021. Granted, it was over 31 innings. So we're not talking about a sustainable, I mean, a, a real sample size here and fewer than five starts. But even with about, uh, what was it, 19 starts last year, um, a 444 ERA, let's say we get a full healthy season out of him. His sinker and his slider look good. Um, yeah, like maybe, maybe it's like a low, low three RA and that would be awesome. But I don't know if I would be drafting Aaron Ashby thinking, okay, I'm getting a low three ERA. And then it also just doesn't match that. Like if Aaron Ashby has a low, three, this is what always kind of cracks me about steamer. If Aaron Ashby has a low three ERA, he doesn't have a 1.27 whip. Like those things do not mm. add up. You know what I mean? Like uh, then in that case, they would be talking about and a 300 Babbitt like that. I think that's like literally mathematically impossible for someone to have an, a whip double near plays. 1.3. Lots of, lots of double plays. Fast. Yeah. Like so many double plays with a, with a strikeout guy. Um, um, so I don't know. I think we would need to see a lot. I'm hoping that's the case because he's probably going to be a keeper for me in my hometown league. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know if I'm buying a low three ERA on Ashby. What are you thinking? I What I'm thinking about Aaron Ashby is that I can't believe that they predict him for nine wins after you only got two this past year. No, <laughs> yeah. um, I think the ERA is lower because it's 21 games started, but 41 total. So he has 20 out of the pen. Oh, I think yeah, yeah. Is lowering the ERA for Ashby here. I uh, still there's work to be done with Aaron Ashby and oh, how the turntables from last oh. year. Right. Um, all of my excitement and hype for him. I think the fastball needs to be commanded better. 
the sinker gets hit too hard, 31%, despite uh, hard contact rate, despite its velocity around 95, 96. Slider still elite, still a really hard pitch to hit. He got fewer strikes on it though, much more so, 70% down to 63, and he needs to get that slider strike rate back up. If as a called strike rate went down 10 ticks, oof, 28 to 18. Um, the changeup got more strikes, but became much more hittable. 297 batting average allowed. So there's things to be tinkering here from Ashby. I think he needs to not uh, float his changeup into the zone as much. 47% zone rate. I don't think he needs to do that. He needs to have a better sinker that doesn't get crushed in the zone. And the slider needs to be more of that called strike pitch again. Um, that's my... Those are my tips as I point to my easel for Aaron Ashby. Um, I don't think it's going to be a 338 ERA. Um, and I do think it's going to be a worse season than that. But hey, you know, if the if the Brewers are saying, look, Adrian Hauser, go take a seat. Mm. Ashby's in the rotation now for good with Eric Lauer. Then I'm I'm a little excited because I, I do wonder if he's getting completely like just pushed aside after 2022. Um but yeah, not this good. This is too favorable. And you're definitely right about the ERA and the whip being like too separate. Yeah. Let's end on a high note here. Nick, why don't you go ahead and give us the person that you feel the steamer projections got just right. You know, they did a good job here. They did a good job. Not a good job. They did a good job. Mm. Uh, they said uh, Nicola Dolo is a 367 ERA, 121 whip and a 28% K rate. You know, that's right. There you go. Pretty like, much the line we already did last year, right? Well, better whip, but yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's about right. I mean, obviously, I think that there's a world where he's better than that yep. um, with ERA and whip, but I very much recognize they can go south. And this, I felt, was, yeah, okay, 176 innings. I mean, I felt like everyone else was gaining this massive weight on their numbers going down, and Lodolo's just brushing it off. Mm. Um, and it seems about right. So, yeah, Nick Lodolo Kudos. did good stuff there, yeah. What about I you? I have fast? two. I got two because you made fun two? of me for my first one. Yeah, because you made fun of me for my first one. So my first one is Grayson Rodriguez, and the reason that I like oh, no, the projection is fun. I enjoyed it. It, it. It's it 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 like it's tempered, which I really enjoy, right? Because Grayson Rodriguez, obviously, you're going to read a lot of hype about it. He's the you know the the highest rated pitching prospect in all of baseball, and you know slightly uh, the injury ever, wasn't ever enough. ever baseball existed. It's yeah, since it Rodriguez. began, no one has ever yeah. been more excited. Also, Who I just never Steven think that Strasburg? those never heard of the guy. N no, neither have I. I've heard of Steven Strasburg. Uh, <laughs> but I've heard of never heard of Steven Strasburg. Um, <laughs> Grayson Rodriguez, I think it is realistic to expect a, a high three ERA. They have a three eight one ERA. Uh, that would be optimistic in some ways for me but i think it you know a lot of people are coming in and anticipating that he's just going to be fantastic maybe have like a three four three three or maybe i'm crazy maybe i'm just making that up but i think a three eight to like a four two spectrum would make a lot of sense as he's probably going to struggle a little bit as he comes to the big leagues regardless of who he faces it's tough to live up to those kind of uh, expectations i hope i'm wrong the other person though if grayson rodriguez is too much of a homer pick is george kirby um i think he you know if anything, takes a smaller step back than he does step forward. Um, I think he can kind of maintain that whip. They have him at about a 1.16 whip, which I think is realistic. He had a 121 whip last year. He had a 339 ERA last year. They have him at a 359 ERA this year. Um, it wouldn't really surprise me. I don't know if I necessarily anticipate that he's going to be able to take a lot of steps forward. I think we've constantly looked at, you know, young Mariners pitchers as being able to do that, and they haven't. Um, who am I thinking of? The other pitcher who was in their rotation Logan last Gilbert. year. Logan Gilbert. Thank you. We were kind of anticipating. Got you all day, baby. Forward. Love you. And uh, that didn't necessarily happen. So, yeah, those are my two guys, George Kirby and Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, with uh, with Kirby, 116 whip, 359 ERA. I think a lot of people would be happy with that yeah. um, from Kirby. With a low walk rate that he had last year, 4%. Uh, any gains in whip is coming from hit rate and 9.35 hit per nine. Well, then that's going to be better, I think, next year as he does develop. So, yeah, uh, I'm in line with that one. Um, ERA at 339. Yeah, 359. I mean, that seems fair. So maybe on the slightly fair bull side for a projection like this. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that seems that seems good and fast. I can't wait until uh, we have our projections coming out. Yeah. Um, which will be the end of January, early February. Ooh, Lord. And then people do podcasts criticizing ours, you know? I love so. it. <laughs> we'll be the first to do it. 
Thank you, Steamer, for being such good sports about us doing a podcast like this and putting out some of the best projections that, you know, it's just been uh, a staple of our industry over the years. Um, but fast, any final words in this episode? No, listen, I, I was going to bring up something about Spencer Strider, but I'm going to save it for another episode. That, oh, how's that? That's the ultimate tease. And I won't even go. tell you which episode other, it is. So you have to listen to all I of had, them. Yeah, all, listen to all of them. Other yeah, two exactly. I had were Kyle Wright, Michael Kopech and Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore, the oh. 138 whip is just come on. That's mm. I had. After I had Gonzalo and Urias, Manoa, and Cortez, I had McKenzie, Tristan McKenzie, Adrian Sampson, which is kind of an interesting one, uh, Cal Quantrill, and Tyler Wells. For what? Too high? uh, Too low. No, I think Adrian Sampson, they gave like a five ERA. I don't think he's a five ERA. ERA. Yeah. 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 Um, Let me see what the the exact. Yeah. They said he's a 513 ERA. Oh man, is that where he grew up? Was that his address? <laughs> uh, yeah, like um, I don't like know. <laughs> what did Adrian Sampson do to gain fewer uh, to gain twenty one innings oh. and over two full runs of ERA? He, he he shaved his head. Oh, that's what it is. He lost his magic power. He lost his magic power. Yeah, it, it, they they think he's gonna have a one forty three whip next year. Come on. I want to yeah, write this like, down. I want to. I want to look at this. And is there like a remind me bot for podcasts? Yeah, so there I can is. Look at this on October. No, that'd be amazing. Like, that'd be amazing. Let's see if Adrian Samson has those. At a five thirty, you wouldn't be able to see because he wouldn't be pitching anymore. Um. All right. Well, that is that is going to do it for this episode of On the Court of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host Alex Fast, and I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week. 